Welcome to Beyond Blathers, the podcast where we dive deeper into the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. I'm Sophia Osborne. And I'm Olivia DeBersier. And if you want to support the show, check out our merch store over on Etsy at etsy.com slash shop slash beyond blathers. Yeah, and we're really excited to announce that we're having a holiday sale so you can get 30% off everything in our store, including our stickers, postcards, needle felted sunfish ornaments, and our Atlas Moth and Nautilus keychains. So definitely take a look before the sale ends December 15th. Yeah, the sale is live now on our shop, so go check it out. And this week, we're going to be talking about the Goliath beetle, which is one of the specimens we saw at the BD Biodiversity Museum, if you listened to that special episode a couple weeks ago. So yeah, we thought it'd be fitting to talk about it. Yeah, it was a really cool specimen. And I also saw one the other day when I was, or I'm pretty sure it was one of these, when I was walking around the Strickland Museum at the U of A. So yeah, it's a very popular specimen in collections and it's very beautiful. So yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Well, let's dive into it. So if you bring a Goliath beetle to Blathers, he'll say, who? Ew. <laughs> the Goliath beetle <laughs> is a colossal creature that can grow up to four inches long. Yes, they love to sup on sap and pollen and frolic among the flowers, but did you know the Goliath beetle has a horn upon its head that it uses to fight its foes? And picture this, each one of this bohemus legs ends in pincers. Deep, calming breaths. <laughs> he gets right to it with that one. Ew. Yeah, that was predictable. <laughs> very much so. Like, I, I love that he's, like, very petrified by this bug, but also can like imagine it frolicking among flowers like that's that's also an image he has yeah there's a dichotomy there (laughs) it has layers so yeah could you talk a bit about um I guess the taxonomy like I didn't know whether to say oh this is like a species we talked about already or is it multiple species it's multiple species, but it's it's not as many as I feel like we've had in the past. Like, I feel like the past number of episodes we've been like, this is actually 100 species or something. But this one, its taxonomy continues to be debated. Back in the day, there were reported 142 species and subspecies names for what we now know is around like five or six distinct species of Goliath beetle. They're the genus Goliathus. So yeah, now they're like five or six species. This might in part, this whole like confusion, like in terms of what is a species and what's not, and we're going to give it all this, all these names. uh, This might be a result of the fact that Goliath beetles of the same species will often come in different color morphs. So some of them might be like really black. Some of them might have some black and a little bit of white. Some of them might have lots of white on their on their backs. So there is quite a bit of variety. As well, the females are quite a bit smaller. And in certain species, they might also have a bit more brown instead of the white. So there's a lot of color variation in these groups. This made it kind of hard for collectors and naturalists to tell what beetles they were looking at unless you looked at them really, really closely. 
But as a group, Goliath beetles are all scarabs, which we've talked about before in our beetle episodes. Scarabs are, in my opinion, the prettiest and flashiest beetles as like a whole group. They are often very round and large, much like the Goliath beetle. They will also have antennae that kind of look like, you know, at the end where you might expect, like, if you're drawing a bug, you'll put, like, the little circles at the end of the antenna. Um, At the end of a scarab antenna, they'll have these, like, they look like little stacks of little fairy, like, bowls and plates. Like, they're just these sort of, like, round layered shapes at the end. It's really, really cute. They like to call them book antenna. So you might see that on a scarab. And a lot of scarabs, like the dung beetles we talked about in another episode, They like to roll up poop they find laying around and use it for food or as a spot to lay their eggs. And in the case of the Goliath beetle, they can roll up poops basically the size of like a small apple, which is kind of impressive. So some fun poop facts for, for, yeah. Wow. (laughs) I guess I, I mean, we probably talked about it in the dung beetle episode and I just forgot or something, but I didn't really realize that other scarab beetles do that too. But that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it seems like a lot of them do. Like it's a it's a pretty common trait, it seems like. So where are Goliath beetles found? This doesn't seem like something I would see here just casually walking around in Vancouver. Yeah. I wish though. That'd be so cool. Yeah, no, they occur in West and Central Africa, kind of a place where you would expect to find really, really cool bugs. They are often found in rainforests and places with lots of vegetation. But there are some species, I think one species in particular that likes to sort of wander around like savanna habitats, often in the trees there. And one of my favorite facts I learned about them is that there's a species that tends to have this sort of microhabitat around these hyrax poop piles and if you don't i don't know sophia do you do you remember what a hyrax is for some reason i feel like we've talked about this in the show before and i don't know why or when but yeah i think we have are they like um like don't they look hamstery or something yeah they're like giant hamsters um the zookeepers that I worked with, they used to call them like parkour potatoes because they're just like really round, but they're really good climbers. They're kind of like this weird mix between like a rabbit and a pika, but they're also not a rodent. They're like more closely related to elephants and manatees. So that doesn't help make them make sense to anyone, but I think it's a cool fact. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they they live all around Africa and they will create these like yeah, like these poop piles. They're called middens. And it seems like these goliath beetles will go and lay their eggs inside hyrax dung so that when their pupa hatch, they have like a really good food source. They're all ready to go and, you know, explore the world and become a giant beetle. Yeah. And speaking of like them being giant, that's obviously one of the first things that a person would notice about them. And I remember at the museum, I think it said that they were one of the biggest beetles in the world. Is that true? Yeah. So it's kind of like a loaded question. They, it's a common piece of flimflam that this is the heaviest insect in the world. They are the top. Not really true. I mean, stats around like largest insects can be really hard to pinpoint because it really depends on what you mean by a big bug. Like, are we talking wingspan here? Are we talking the weight at the maturity of this bug? Are we talking about weight at a certain stage of their life? 
Um, so funnily enough, while I was researching this, I like the first article that was really coming up when I searched it um, was written by my like prof and academic mentor, John Acorn. So uh, this is like some of John's <laughs> opinion on the biggest bug. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> but basically he mentions how the other issue with determining insect weight is that entomologists really don't care to weigh alive things. <laughs> um, like, quite frankly, we don't tend to look at alive things a lot. Usually the bugs are dead, they're pinned, they're dried. And that means a lot of weight calculations we have on insects are either the weight of dried specimens or in the case of the goliath beetle, a lot of the estimates are kind of extrapolated from what we do know about the weight of a dried specimen. So in the case of the goliath beetle, that weight is usually like estimated to be around 45 grams for a male that's 11 centimeters long. But yeah, even even this weight, John seems to think is very unrealistic based on Goliath beetles he's reared, which ended up being about 14 grams uh, at a length of seven centimeters. So like a, the difference between seven, seven centimeters and 11 centimeters isn't a lot. <laughs> so, you know, considering it was only 14 grams at seven centimeters, 45 grams for an 11 centimeter male is kind of, it, it seems a little unrealistic. Mm-hmm. So is this the heaviest adult insect? No, that record goes to a bug called the weta, which is a type of cricket from New Zealand. It is huge. Go Google it. It's super crazy. I didn't know about it until I was researching this. So I'm going to have to go down that rabbit hole later. But let's forget the cricket for now and let's talk about the larva of the goliath beetle. As I mentioned before on the show, beetles will go through a metamorphosis just like butterflies do. They'll start out as an egg, they'll hatch into a larva, and in the case of the goliath beetle, that larva looks kind of like a grub from Lion King, like the ones Timon eats. They're kind of gross and chunky. And then they will eventually become a pupa and create like a casing around itself where it will develop into a fully grown beetle. And in all the cases I can think of, for beetles, the larva stage is really the heaviest stage of their life cycle. So if we're looking for records, we really need to be looking at larva. This larva stage is where they're basically walking around, they're building up their body weight, they're eating lots of food, because they're going to have to use all that energy and that body weight to put energy into developing into a fully grown beetle. And in the case of the goliath beetle, the largest larva ever reported outweighs the weta by at least nine grams. So it was basically like 80 grams, which I know like grams doesn't sound like a huge measurement, but for a bug, that's really impressive. But this being said, this still might not be the largest insect. There's reports of larger, larger larva and, <laughs> you know, it's kind of hard to be super certain about different weights. You know, some people will claim they like bred a really big larva, but it develops into a beetle before we can weigh it. Things like that happen. So who knows what's the biggest, but we do know that regardless, this beetle is really massive. It would probably be larger than my hand if I picked it up, um, like including the legs and everything. And when I see specimens of these beetles, like the one at the beady, I'm always like completely blown away because they're like the size of a tennis ball. Um, and yeah, not used to seeing beetles that big. I guess I'm wondering like what the point of being so big is. Like, is it because they're like 
terrorizing other insects and eating them or something? Like, are they as scary as Blathers would have us believe? No, weirdly, they aren't really terrorizing other insects, it looks like. Um, As I mentioned before, goliath beetles, they're a type of scarab, and within the scarabs, they're known as flower chafers, which is a group that often frequents flowers where it eats nectar and pollen. So these are, I guess, like you could call them like flower eaters. (laughs) That being said, it seems like a lot of scientists are looking into the possibility of the larva being at least partly predatory because they have very large mandibles that seem to be good for, yeah, like finding prey and eating it. And it's imagined that in order to get to their massive size, they probably need a bit of protein. So there is some like debate going on around this. There's not a lot of research into the life cycle of the goliath beetle in the wild. So we don't really know. A lot of people who keep them in their homes or maybe in museums, like I know at the Royal Alberta Museum, we used to feed a similarly large species of beetle, the rhino beetle. Uh, We'd feed them like cat food sometimes. And some of the other like bugs would get cat food just because, you know, they need the protein. But yeah, in general, the goliath beetle adults, they're nectar eaters or pollen eaters. And if you were to sort of get down to the level of the Goliath beetle and look it dead in the eyes, you might see that like kind of around its mouth parts, it has sort of like a little hairy mustache. It's really cute. This mustache is basically like a series of bristles that help the Goliath beetle mop up plant nectar and sap and pollen for it to eat. It'll also filter out any solids. So it's not like eating tree bark by accident. And it can even help pollinate plants because that little mustache will help spread pollen all around. Now, the other thing to mention is because these beetles are spending a lot of time climbing around plants, they have to be really well adapted to be able to keep their heavy bodies from toppling off trees. That wouldn't be fun. So at the end of these long legs, they have essentially like grappling hook feet, um, which is what Blathers was talking about and was like really terrified about these little like hook feet. These feet are very like rough and sharp and they're really good for climbing. I'll admit that as someone who's held like a rhino beetle before, um, again, they also have these like grappling hook, hook feet. They're also very big and would fall off a branch without them. The feet are very like prickly and sticky. Like, they're really, really hard to get off your hand. They're not even really trying to hold on that bad, but, like, it's really hard to peel one of these beetles off your hand. Sorry if that's an unpleasant image, but, like, (laughs) (laughs) just some anecdotal evidence there. Blathers is, like, freaking out right now. (laughs) He's like, please stop talking. Yeah, I mean, the the other thing I wanted to say, too, I mean, Blathers mentioned that they fight each other and that they they have, like, big horns, so... They're not quite as dramatic as a rhino beetle, but they do have sort of like a spoon-shaped, at least the males, have sort of like a spoon-shaped horn feature on their head. And they'll use this to fight with each other for uh, mates or for food. And the whole goal is to like knock your opponent off the branch or off the rock or whatever. So if you have nice and sticky legs, you're a little bit less likely to be thrown off your perch. So you're going to do better in the fight overall. Okay. Well, it's nice to know they're not using their stabby legs to... I don't know. Like stab people. Stab people or stab blathers specifically, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) And is there anything to be concerned about in terms of conservation? Yeah, unsurprisingly, 
the Goliath beetle is very popular among collectors. People just, they love having both live specimens as well as dead ones. So there are people out there who do make their living off harvesting them in the wild. Unfortunately, this appears that it might, I, I say might because like the evidence is kind of weak. It might be reducing their populations in some places. Particularly, there was one study that noticed that there seems to be less of a population of the white color morph goliath beetles. It's probably just because, yeah, the white ones are really pretty. Like they've got sort of a more complex pattern on their backs. So, you know, that might be happening in the wild. And I kind of wonder, like, I did read another study that was talking about how the white color on goliath beetles has been found to actually be really, really good at reflecting the sun and making sure that the beetle stays cool. And I kind of wonder if reducing the number of white color morph beetles in the wild might maybe harm the population a bit because suddenly you have a group of beetles that are really dark and might be more likely to overheat. So maybe that's a disadvantage. The other thing too is they also take a really long time to develop. In some cases, it could take just under a year, all the way up to like three years for a goliath beetle to become an adult. So if you have a population that's being reduced by collection, it might take a while to repopulate. But of course, this is just conjecture. I don't actually know how the population is doing. Maybe they're totally fine. But unfortunately, they don't seem to have a red list category. There seems to be a lot of data missing on their status. How many are out there? Where are they? How many are sold to market? So definitely a bit of a research gap there. But yeah, it can be really hard to like figure out the conservation status of bugs. They are hard to study in terms of like trying to find more rare species, especially, you know, in, in places where it can be hard to access them like a rainforest. <laughs> There's a lot of places to hide. But yeah, so that's that's the Goliath beetle. It's just this like massive beetle would probably hurt a bit if it fell off a tree and hit you in the head, but probably not as much <laughs> as like a New Zealand cricket of unusual size. It also comes in all your favorite colors, but only if those colors are black and white and maybe a bit of brown. And it is so determined to give its children a good start to life, it will lay its eggs in a giant Hyrax porta potty. I love that. Yeah, thank you so much, Olivia. So cool. I just love hearing about the beetles. I know there's like a million in the game and it's going to get really repetitive, but I it's not. <laughs> it's cool. Like I I really don't know anything about beetles, but they're pretty amazing, so. I love yeah. beetles. I literally like this week we spent like like John Acorn who I mentioned in this episode and like another student and I were in a lab literally like going through a key for this one type of ground beetle for probably about 45 minutes trying to figure out what it was. Like that is how long it can take sometimes to get a species figured out with a key and a book. So, you know, there's some people who are just so excited about beetles will sit there for 45 minutes and read this like <laughs> painstakingly complicated book to identify it, even though it probably just looks like a sidewalk beetle to everyone else. But it was still fun. <laughs> Well, thank you everyone so much for listening and don't forget to check out our merch store at etsy.com slash shop slash beyond blathers and take a look at the 30% off holiday sale we're having before it ends on December 15th. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at beyond blathers. 
Tune in next week to learn more about the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. Bye! Bye! Thank you.